0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Social Studies with Foreman. I am Mary Foreman, your host. And today we will be critiquing and reviewing three lesson plans um, available at the secondary social studies level. Our first two lesson plans um, discuss the changing relationship between the USSR and the United States after World War II, um, as well as the Cuban Missile Crisis as a particular example. And what we really see with these two lessons is there what we would call like train track learning so the the emphasis is on moving chronologically from point a to point b through time um, looking at what happened in history here are the events let's interpret them at a superficial level uh, take the test and move on and figure out what happened afterwards and ultimately the result is that these lesson plans are really brief and they don't communicate high expectations for student learning because this is surface level learning This tends to rely more heavily on rote memorization. The teacher gives the students the information, the the students give the information back. We take a test and and we move on. There also isn't evidence in these two lesson plans of prioritization of of enduring understandings, which we know um, to be a really promising principle from the um, understanding by design practice. If we move on to the performance objectives section for these two lesson plans, we see that there are some issues with the observable or measurable qualities that are necessary in effective learning objectives. Um, So I'll give an example from the hostility between the United States and Russia plan in which the first three read, students will be able to identify and discuss the rising hostilities between the United States and Russia at the end of the Second World War. Students will be able to identify and discuss Harry Truman's rise to the presidency, Winston Churchill's democratic defeat, and how it changed the landscape of the United States. And lastly, students will be able to identify and discuss the United Nations, its founding, and the importance of the Potsdam Conference. So we see that there's a couple things going on here in which um, one where we lack the answer to the question how that's necessary at the end of an effective um, learning objective so we don't know how these objectives are being accomplished Um, and we also see that they're relying exclusively on the skills such as identify and discuss which are lower order thinking skills and although there's nothing inherently wrong with lower order thinking skills in the classroom in a real classroom setting we would want to make sure that As the instructor, we are engaging students also in higher order thinking skills in order to test them um, in a more engaged manner in the learning process. We know that learning is transformational in nature um, and rote memorization just doesn't accomplish that on its own. These performance objectives also fail to um, demonstrate real-world connections or attention to authentic learning that tend to make for a more meaningful learning process in the long run. If we look at the hooks section for these two lesson plans, we also see a couple of concerns, Um, mainly in the sense that these hooks um, and these lesson plans are really strictly performative in nature. And although there is absolutely nothing wrong with performance and teaching, in fact, teachers are performers almost every single minute of their careers. And that's, critical to, I think, our success ultimately and part of our larger engagement with students. But when performance or really, you know, funny bits at the beginning of class are our main way of Um, creating student engagement, I think that's an area in which we are setting ourselves up for failure. There is definitely um, plenty of room for that to happen in the history classroom and have a lot of fun with it. And I'm sure um, when done right, kids really truly enjoy it. Um, But um, it fails to connect to students' lived experiences, their previous knowledge, um, and those other things that we kind of tend to think of for really truly creating connections and learning for students, as they are with us in our classrooms. The plans also lack reference to necessary accommodations for students with IEPs and ILPs, which tends to indicate a lack of attention to individual differences between students. Unfortunately, We know that um, when teachers fail to plan for um, strategies that best fit individual students, it has significant negative effects on the overall learning environment and generally the teacher's stress level as well. Um, Because I think we all know too well that feeling of um, knowing that a student is going to struggle and not knowing how to help them or feeling like it's inevitable that a student will struggle in the general education learning environment, which isn't made to suit their needs. Um, And so it's disappointing to see a lack of um, attention to that level of detail on these two plans. As I head toward the end of the critique for these two lessons, I actually wanna head back to the beginning and, and discuss the extent to which it's a red flag that the standards incorporated into these lessons aren't explicitly stated at the beginning of the lesson plan. I think probably arguably the lesson designer in these two examples had a very clear understanding in their head of which lesson of which standards were being incorporated. And I think that's probably true in reality for most teachers. Most teachers don't um, explicitly write down, if I had to guess, which standards are being covered every day in their class because they've done the work ahead of time to know what's going to be happening in their course. They're familiar with what they're teaching. But um, for best practices, is it probably a better idea to have lesson pl- the standards explicitly stated at the top of a lesson plan absolutely um and i wouldn't overall call these two lessons bad teaching because i have known many a teacher who teaches really like this even at late stages in their career and have been rated effective time after time um for these practices but i think pijanowski would tell us that this kind of teaching is uninspired or perhaps unintentional. It doesn't ask us deeper questions about the um, social-emotional implications of why we are in the classroom and why students are sitting there with us and and deserve our attention as much as we expect theirs to us. Um, Those are, I think, the bigger issues at stake here next if we move on to our unit plan for globalization course um, with japan as a case study we see a couple of similar things happening um, as compared to the to the ussr american conflict or the cuban missile um, lesson plan just like in those examples the performance objectives for the unit plan focus on lower order thinking skills like identify and discuss and they lack observable and measurable qualities so if we look at um, a couple examples For the unit performance objectives um, for the two-week plan, we see, for example, students will be able to identify what globalization is and how important it is to the practice of world history. Students will be able to identify the key features of globalization and how the term itself has evolved over time. Those, as with the other examples, just tend to leave us with surface level learning that doesn't engage students at a deeper level. which unfortunately really doesn't do justice to what I would argue is the much stronger emphasis of understanding by design, um, enduring understanding principles that we see in this unit plan overall. I definitely have a better sense of the um, stance that the unit plan has within the course as a whole and the ways in which the course itself has meaning much beyond here's what happened in Japan after the year 1500. We see a greater level of attention to um, the connectedness of ideas um, and for relevant implications on students' life and their learning in this particular unit plan than we did with either of the two lesson plans um, for the American-Russian conflict or the Cuban Missile Crisis, which is extremely positive. Another strength of this unit plan we actually see in the assessments section, in which the unit moves away from using a large unit test as the exclusive form of summative assessment, and instead um, asks students to create a create a presentation in any manners they wish about a topic mentioned briefly in the class, a discussion of and other research on a cultural, social, political, military construct or ritual they find interesting or identify the events pressures that led up to key events or the success of a great man in history. With all these presentations, I would have the final step be for them to see how their area of interest affected the connection with other cultures within the nation, outside of its borders, and globally. And this hits some really important um, concepts of student choice and flexibility in demonstrating student knowledge, um, which are, of course, some of the biggest critiques of unit tests as a summative assessment. Um, Being able to have students with, of course, you know, their own individual differences express their knowledge according to their individual differences um, is a great way to level the playing field in a sense um in the classroom and and create a little bit of the equity that we so desperately need all right i think that wraps up our review or critique of our three lesson plans for today thank you for taking the time to walk through these with me hope you enjoyed and see you next time